On this episode of Industry Relations, we're taking a look back on the 2022 highlights, and for the first time ever, we make next year's predictions. We're joined by special guest Joe Rand and Greg Fisher. Join us. This is Industry Relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective, with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson. Hey, everybody. I'm so happy to announce our newest sponsor, Rentspree. Rentspree is LA-based and is a provider of award-winning rental software that helps real estate agents, owners, and renters to simplify and automate the entire real estate rental process. From listing to lease, these guys have got it figured out. With nationwide coverage, Rentspree is an all-in-one platform is known for its easy and secure interface and suite of rental tools, including tenant screening, rent payments, marketing, and renter management. To date, Rentspree has partnered with over 250 of the most influential MLSs, associations, and brokerages, and they have over 1 million users throughout the U.S. That's great. In fact, they just announced a deal with the Miami Association of Realtors. This brings their agent count in Florida to over 120,000 agents, with over 600,000 total in the U.S. that is able to access Rentspree through their MLS or association. Rentspree is ranked 625th on the latest Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies list in 2022. Also, check out the show notes uh, for Rentspree.com. They just issued a white paper that talks about the opportunities that agents can have by incorporating rentals in their business model. I've written a lot about this. I think it's a great strategy. So please visit Rentspree.com to download that white paper. Thank you, Michael, and the entire Rentspree team for sponsoring Industry Relations. Rob and I really do appreciate it. So go visit Rentspree.com today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a very, very special episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. This is obviously the notorious Rob, Rob Hahn. How are you? And as always, with me is my co-host, the fabulous Greg Robertson. What's up, Rob? Oh, I'm assuming I have him. <laughs> your, your video's frozen, so I can't see the jazz hands, but I'm oh, assuming okay. you're doing them. Damn, I was doing them. <laughs> Dude, did I get like the grumpy version of uh, Greg Robertson for Christmas? The special no, Christmas broadcast? I don't broadcast? think so. Uh, maybe maybe <laughs> coarse voice or something? My microphone? What's Keep that? complaining about my microphone. No, it's good. It's, good. it's just fine. I mean, it's just your video's frozen, but I know we're recording it anywhere. So, uh, we've never done this before, Greg, but I think we we'll want to try, try something different, something a little special, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. So... Uh, what we decided to do was do kind of a retrospective as well as predictions for next year. But, you know, Greg and I kind of do this on a regular basis since we just speculate for, you know, like out of our ass. So we thought we'd invite like friends of ours, special guests who are actually pretty smart and not as ridiculous as we are. Uh, so let me bring them on now. First up is Mr. Joe Rand. Joe, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Rob? How are you, Greg? Good to see you both. Doing good, good to man. see you. Thanks for agreeing to to do this experiment with us. Uh, Joe is the chief creative officer of Howard Han Hanna Rand Realty. Well, that's a mouthful. Uh, as well as a best selling author of, uh, I think it's two books, right? Two books. Joe, yeah, you've two got books. two books so far. I appreciate the word best selling. I think that's all in the eye of the beholder. But I appreciate the uh, I appreciate <laughs> the effort. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think I think Greg Greg's book, uh, who's who wrote an awesome book, uh, is, I think has sold many more copies than I did. But mine, oh, are mostly, I, don't uh, I don't know about that. Mine, are, you find mine all over. You find them in all sorts of 
you know, boxes, people moving, people. I, my, Air- airports. Airports, yeah. You know, my uh, favorite thing was when I found uh, someone reselling it. That was a great moment when someone was selling it on Amazon. That is awesome. A used copy of my book, which is, you know, it sells for 20 bucks. They were selling it for like eight. That was a great moment. Oh, Jesus. But thank that, you for that's having a, me. That's a lot for a used book. All right. <laughs> and speaking of airports, we have our friend Greg Fisher joining us from Denver Airport, I believe. Yep, calling in from Denver. Happy holidays. <laughs> I'm a road warrior, Greg. Damn, dude. Number one place. Greg Fisher is the broker owner of Western Maine uh, Homes of Oregon, as well as I believe you said you're like the head of technology for all of Western Maine. Is that right? Um, it's pretty close. And Western Maine is an awesome brokerage. And um, I'm stoked to be here. I saw both of you in person. I haven't seen you this year, Joe, but hopefully that'll change next year. So That's thanks, right. for, uh, thanks for bringing me on. Th- th- thanks for, for joining us for this uh, uh, prediction of Palooza. So, all right, gentlemen. I think where we want to start is like a retrospective. All right. Mm-hmm. Because obviously a lot happened. And I might start with our special guest first. Let's, let's start with Joe. Give us, like, what do you think was the most important thing that happened in real estate in 2022? That happened in 2022. I would say the the biggest change that happened was the collapse of the public markets for basically real estate companies across the board. I mean, when you look at, oh, and I guess one. it started in 2020, mm. uh, 2021, uh, but you really did have everybody, Zillow, Redfin, the iBuyers, the traditional brokers, um, uh, you know, Compass and, and uh, Douglas Elliman, that they all ended up at a fraction of where they'd started uh, at the beginning of the year. And if you go back a little further at an even smaller fraction of where they were in 2020 and 2021. Um, and I think that, you know, it's not just that for investors what that meant, but I think it really has changed the dynamic on the ground in the industry because those were companies that were spending money to you know, create uh, disruptive influences and to do things, and they really can't do those things anymore. And so some of the pressures on some of the traditional incumbents are, some of those pressures have been lessened, uh, but also just the fact that um, these business models that were getting a lot of funding are not getting, are not gonna have the same kind of funding going forward. And that's gonna change, I think, the dynamic within the industry pretty profoundly this year. Hmm, okay. Um... Who do you, so just to follow up on that, and I guess I'm curious, like everyone else jump in, but what business model not getting funded do you think is the most important? Well, I mean, when you look at it, you know, Compass's growth was fueled by their ability to be able to buy companies and buy agents. That was the, most of their growth came from acquisition, not from organic or recruiting or, you know, natural growth. Um, and they put a lot of pressure on company dollar. They put a lot of pressure on these urban companies. Um, and that's, I think, going to moderate. They've said that they're going to uh, be trying to cut costs, which means uh, raising company dollar. Um, and, you know, you look at and say, uh, you know, how much money can, uh, you know, think about what Open Door spent on consumer marketing over the last few years. Are they going to be able to continue to do that to keep their name up in front? I mean, they were inundating. If you lived in Phoenix over the last four or five years, you were seeing lots of advertising. I don't think you're seeing going to be seeing that kind of marketing going forward. Now, those businesses, those businesses are pivoting. They're changing their business models, mm-hmm. and that's interesting. But I just think that what we had going on for the last three years, five years, uh, in terms of these companies being able to kind of push the envelope and be able to drive, they were, they were really driving the conversation, and they were driving – 
changes in the industry uh, and, and affecting other brokers, other companies, other tech companies. And I think that pressure is reduced a lot going forward to next year. I think, I mean, really, if you think about right. it, Joe and, and Rob, I mean, it's a little bit, you know, the collapse of the public markets, really the, the story behind all that and everything is really inflation, right? Because that's what caused a lot of this to happen. This, that, you know, uh, that affected the markets in a way where the interest rates started to go up, right? And the, you know, all the buyers left, right? So that, I think, you know, mm. that was the, and, and, and the market softened. So, um, and that's, you know, I guess exposed everybody in a sense, right, to to what's going on. And, right. and the other part of that, I think, is that, you know, we all know, because I think all of us here on this call have been, on, have been in the industry for a while now that this market is cyclical, but we haven't had that cycle, that downturn in a long ass time, right? So when it hit, um, it hit hard for sure, right? And as some people have talked about, mm -hmm. the, the increase of uh, interest rates has been historic as far as the slope of that. Meaning, you know, it, 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 what was the open door quote? Like, it hadn't happened that quickly in 40 years, right? So it's it's one yeah. of those types of situations which, which caused it all, right? Right, right. All right, <clears throat> let's let's hear from the uh, airport background noise guy, Mr. Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is the most important event of last of this year in real estate? Love that we're starting with the easiest questions first. Um, <laughs> I would I, I would go towards uh, conversations around the compensation of of your traditional real estate industry, um, particularly you know the major lawsuits that all of your listeners know about very intimately, and also seeing what sorts of changes come out. You know, Northwest MLS is always first on the scene, I think, in this sort of area, and they've adjusted their contracts so that um, commission can be negotiated up front. It's at least a forcing function. Um, for that, they had already been pioneers displaying, you know, buyer agency commissions. And so um, I don't know that, um, I guess we'll get to what's going to happen in the future for that. But uh, yeah. I'd say looking back, that's for me, would be the big material change because so much will happen from here because of it. Okay, so so I'm gonna try to pin you down because that was a lot of different stuff. Like, are you so? Is the most important thing Northwest MLS changing its uh, forms, or is it like what is the actual most important event? Uh, that the public discourse, the uh, administrative attention is on the cooperation and compensation aspect of United States real estate. Yeah. Got it. All right, cool. Yeah, I, I think I mean, in other words, shit, the shit the just got real, forms, right? Wait, 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 Joe, and then... <laughs> no, I was just going to say that, I, I thought it was funny the way you framed that, that, well, so it was the changing of the Northwest forms that was the biggest thing that happened this year. But to some extent, it's like the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand, World War One. All these things come from this small little change, right? <laughs> Like, who thought I'm following you? I'm with you, Joe. I'm with yeah, you, Joe. You're with me. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Robertson and I are on. Joe Ran just equated Northwest MLS changing forms to the assassination uh, of Archduke Ferdinand. Ferdinand. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, World War One, the spark that caused World War One. Well, think about it because it's the it's the coal, it's the canary in the coal mine. You know, I think he's right. I mean, I think that that's a, you know, <clears throat> when you say there's two ways to look at. A big change in 2022 is something that happened in 2022 that affected, yeah. like I think Greg said, or Robertson said, 
the interest rates, which to some extent precipitated the collapse of the public markets. Um, and uh, Greg Fish is saying, well, here you got this, it, the change has not yet wrought what it's going to, but it's a signifier of a change that's coming. You know, that's the, that's the, the fact that Northwest was so in front of things in changing their forms is to me is something that's going to be really important next year, which we'll talk about as well. It'll be, it'll be really right. important in 23. Yeah, I think I think All the right. way I would say it is that, you know, what Greg uh, Fisher's saying is that, um, I think that, you know these lawsuits and everything has been around for a while, but shit got real this year with these things. MLSs are starting to act; they're starting to do new forms. They know, you know, to you know to 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 grab a phrase from the past that the lion's over the hill here, right? And it's coming. So I think, and and that all is kind of happening, coming in right now, right? So. Uh, I definitely think that's a, a big yeah. factor for sure. Yeah, no, look, I mean, I obviously I agree. Like the lawsuit is a big thing. I guess for an event standpoint, I might have pointed to Sitzer slash Burnett getting certified as a class mm. action in Missouri to be like right. the more of a Archduke Ferdinand moment than North SMLS changing forms. But hey, I get it, you know, as an overall. All right, Greg Robertson, what's your retrospective? Yeah, I mean, I, I I probably just, uh, you know, peaked too soon there. But, I mean, I, I think it, it was the rise in interest rates and how fast that happened. I think that just, as as Joe said, it it, uh, it destroyed the public markets. Um, you know, as far as the, the industry's darling prop tech boys and iBuying, I mean, although Zillow exited that late 2021, I think November-ish, um, but, you know, Open Door just announced and they, you know, lost a... Uh, a billion dollars last quarter. Um, the other uh, offer pad looks like they might be delisted. Um, you know, those are those, you know, and mm-hmm. you look, look at the trouble uh, that Redfin had with that. I mean, all those things just are a domino effect that really, you know, I think in some, in some cases they have a good business model, but um, you know, yikes, you know, when you have that steep of an increase in the interest rates, that's going to affect a lot of different things. Right. So, I would I would look at that as being to me the biggest story of of this year that really made it you know it's making everybody kind of go crazy. Yeah, I mean I don't I think it's hard to argue right. I mean interest rates. I mean it utterly and completely screws housing right. And there are yeah. a number of analysts out there who are talking about look what Jerome Powell is trying to do here is to kill the housing market because the housing market is the engine of the economy. So by killing the housing market, it killed the engine, the economy, and therefore drive up unemployment, drive up, you know, everything. And then uh, it'll tame inflation because people are too broke to be able to afford anything. Like, all right. But, uh, I mean, something had to be done. I mean, 20, you know, most 20 offers, you know, along with I'll name my first child after you and, you know, all this craziness that, that was going on. I mean, something, something had to break here, right? Um, whether it was that was some of the reasons why the government got involved or just because, you know, that inflation, I mean, housing is a big part of that. Right. So something had to happen for sure. Uh, I don't know. I'm not enough of a macroeconomist to render opinions on, on that. Cause I don't know that that's really changed that much. Like it's just that <clears throat> we, what we've done is we've completely driven out retail buyers, right. From the housing market. And I'm very, very concerned about that, right? Because well, institutional I mean, buyers are us, still around. Greg can tell us, you know, being probably the closest to the ground on this, if, if there's still a lot of multiple multiple offers going on out there, right? I mean, as it was before. Yeah. What's happening? 
No, I mean, it's not happening, right? The first things to work backwards from are, you know, these extra additional contingencies people used to put in their contracts. Yeah. Then you kind of get flat into pricing and you're not seeing above ask. You're certainly not seeing multiple. Um, and part of that, you know, there's always buckets where this stuff, there's high, you know, intent buyers looking for specific inventory, of course, but those are edge cases, I'd say, overall, you know, your, your listing sitting on the market for a while, and you might have one or two people interested in that home for the most part. Um, so yeah, it's changed. But is it because the sellers just haven't yet gotten realistic as to what the hell's going on in the market? Here's what I mean by that. Like, what the raise in, rise in interest rates have really done is it's it's made it impossible for individual, like actual family buyers, right? Like now they can't afford shit. You know, it's, I think some of the stats we saw was like your monthly payments like nearly doubled, mm-hmm. right? Okay, but if you're a hedge fund, you're not borrowing money anyway. What do you care? You're just waiting for the price to come down so you can swoop in and just buy for cash, right? I mean, that that power hasn't gone anywhere. A lot of those funds have lost a bunch of money, granted, in the stock market. They didn't lose money in the housing market, right? So, you know, the, I, I just have this feeling like the institutionals are just sitting back. They're just waiting. They're waiting for, like, the Airbnb investor types to get washed out. They're waiting for, you know, the, the family buyers to just get, like, whatever, you know, screwed. And they're just waiting for all the sellers to kind of come to terms with reality and they'll step in and be like, cool, you know, I'll offer you 30 cents of the dollar, like, take it or leave it. You know, like, what, what am I, I mean, am I crazy about that? Joe, I mean, what do you think? Am I crazy about that? No, I think that that's, I think your point that the institutional investors aren't relying, at least not directly on funding, that the interest rates don't affect them the way they affect the, you know, the single individual buyer. Um, and that so they might be freed up, they might have an advantage in this market. Um, you know, but it's also tough to say that, our, our, you know, they're also, I think, scared away by the by the prices having gone up as much. And I don't know if prices are going to come down enough to make them attractive buys if somebody's looking for bargains. You know, if people are looking for, if some of these institutional investors, you know, it needs to pencil out. And although rents have gone up, I think that that's also moderating a little bit about rent prices. And they, you know, they may not be able to get the return they want. Uh, even without having to factor in the cost of money. What do you think, Fish? I mean, are you seeing any? What, what's, what are you? What are you seeing with investors, institutionals in your markets? I mean, we don't track it that closely. It's not on the radar necessarily uh, for us at the moment, volume-wise, and um, it, you know, it, it's a thing that's occurring. certainly in in Denver and some of our metro areas that uh, we have operations in, but mm-hmm. not to any degree that's more noticeable, um, certainly less, right, with, with iBuyers not really having listing inventory. That's how we would normally come across them. Um, but at this point, um, not really sure what they're up to mm. locally. Okay. All right. So just want to take all the time. I'll give you my big event of this year because you guys stole all the good ones. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) you took all the good ones. I'm going to say mine is Open Door launching the third party marketplace, the seller owned, owner owned, seller owned exclusives program. Yeah, exclusives. To me, I think that's the big, 
yeah, the third party exclusives thing. I think that is the big event of 2022. Um, because it's supposedly this has been their vision from the very start. They lose a billion dollars. They, they're like, okay, we lost a billion dollars. Guess what? We're launching a lightweight third party marketplace. We're going to match buyer and seller using this exclusive program. Um, you know, Eric Wu resigns as CEO and goes over as president of Marketplace. I think a number of people saw that as some sort of punishment. Like the board went to him oh, and said, no, hey, man, you lost so. a billion dollars. Time for you to get. No, it was not a demotion. This was a strategic move that really signals very clearly where they think the future is, what they what they find really important. And it's that marketplace. I think it's the most significant event of this year. Thoughts? I think it's a significant event. I think that the idea that it was the, the, the this kind of underlying idea that it was the plan all along to me st strikes me as discordant that, you know, if your yeah. plan is to yeah. say, let's do, do thing A, lose billions of dollars, just billions upon billions of dollars, <clears throat> so we can pivot to what we really want to do, I would sort of say, well, why didn't they just do the thing that they really wanted to do at the beginning? Like the thing they really wanted to do was doable five years ago when they launched iBuying. So I think to some extent, this has been necessity is the mother of invention. Like we need a new business yeah. model. So right. how about this? <clears throat> and so I'm not as, I think you're more sanguine than I am about like how, how, you know, promising this is because my thing, my, my position would be, well, if this was such a great idea, why didn't they launch it in the last five years? Why did it take them losing a billion dollars in a quarter to, yeah. to, put it in place so so in in my defense i guess i'm just i just have to <laughs> you don't have to defend I'm not i just have to take eric Wu at his word right so what what was like new for me was apparently this was in their series a deck back way back when they were startup and they're going out for venture funding and obviously i'm not a venture cat i don't know what their series a deck looks like suppose in their series a deck they said this is the original vision but to get there and he, Eric Wood did go into it. We needed to generate sellers. We need to get sellers to the marketplace, which we did by buying, essentially buying houses from them, get sellers to signify interest. Then we need to get buyers. And they spent, I think they he said a year, two years doing the exclusives program. And the sort of the, the open secret that everyone knew, you know, but it was still kind of not really talked about very much, which was the grip and the importance of institutional buyers to open doors business, right? Uh, and that came out in the Stratechery interview that came out in the earnings call that when they did exclusive, a lot of it was because they were going to the institutionals and saying, hey, here's a house, we're going to buy it, or we bought it, you have 14 days, you want to buy it, you know, whatever, like, and they generate enormous amount of traffic and uh, interest out of that. I do agree. I think they moved too early. I think they were thinking they were going to launch this third-party thing maybe, you know, two, three years from now. And I think the changing markets, I think the changing conditions said, okay, we got to do this now. We lost a billion dollars. We got we to launch this now. So I think they're pulling the trigger a little bit early. But I think this is, I'm going to take them at their word. This is always the plan. They needed to generate seller I, it, interest, it was probably, then buyer interest, and then create the marketplace. I'm sure as they were like eating pizza and, and hitting the bong and they were writing on the whiteboard what their vision was, that somewhere on one of those thought bubbles was like this kind of concept and sure, they'll throw it on the deck, right? Um, but, you know, all this stuff to me is, I mean, as Joe says, you know, mother invention is is a mother of necess necessity. I mean, a lot of stuff is iterative. When you start going there, 
you, yeah. you kind of look back and go, Hey, maybe we can do this now. Um, I don't know if they were just always driving towards that as the vision, but this came up when it came up. Um, and it's not as if they're and a, a lot of this to me is a little bit of storytelling, right? So they lose a billion dollars. Um, they've got to make wall street goes, what the fuck are you going to do here? What's the story now? And that, I think this, this Eric leaving him being a product guy, putting him in charge of this, that was a story. I think everybody could kind of swallow there. Um, and that's what they did. Um, hmm. not, you know, so that maybe it wasn't, I'm not saying they're lying about it, but I mean, there's some embellishment there, I think. Yeah, you're a cynical, cynical man. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I just, I you're the tech startup guy. You should be the one that's like defending nah. you know, Eric. And the <laughs> I'm with Robertson. I mean, the fact that it was slide 37 in a 50, you know, slide uh, pitch deck. <laughs> right, right. And they're looking at me and saying, no, this was the plan all along. See, the plan all along was, my, my thought was that probably the first 36 slides probably described what they hoped would be a a model that would have been profitable and would have worked and that they then would have layered in this new marketplace idea, not, you know, step one, you know, implement, spend millions of dollars on marketing, spend two, lose a billion dollars. Step three, voila, we have the new marketplace. Like I, we don't, I don't want to get too caught because I, I think we're getting into the semantics yeah, of yeah. whether this Nobody's is deliberate as Nobody's opposed to the smart. substance of whether this is a, a valid, what, you know, what, because this is, this could be one of the big changes in 23. Not necessarily the big change in 2022, but the big change in 23 right. no, is if right. this thing goes off, what it could do, the havoc it could wreak right. in the industry. I think so, it's an you know, thanks for that. Thanks for that lead in, Joe. So let's uh, actually pivot to what will happen in 2023, right? Uh, what do you guys see as the big predictions, right? And as, as you all know, I write these seven predictions sure to be wrong or your money back. So in this episode, I'm going to try to make a prediction that I actually want to be correct. Right? So <laughs> let's, so, let's know, start off with let's start, off with let's start uh, with uh, Greg Fisher, then Joe, then Greg Robertson, and I'll I'll close up. I like it. Prediction. All right. All right. I'll get real specific on this one then. All right. Um, I'm going to say that MLSs or their venture-associated organizations invest $250 million this upcoming year into mostly into technology services. And I think that's a huge number. I think it's beyond anything they've ever been known for. And this market shift is a great opportunity for them to try a few things and learn and so that's what I'm going with. Okay, so MLSs are going to invest two, quarter of a billion in 2023 into technology. I assume yep. it means or collectively. They're collectively, they're all going to be yeah. collectively. Collectively, right. yeah. 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 If you look at like, if you look at the past couple of years, you know, supposedly there was there was the purchase of uh, Agent Inbox from ARMLS and some others. I don't know what that just disclosed. Mm -hmm. I think it was probably less than a million, though. Um, you looked at, but, you know, the bigger thing would be Remind, which has been rumored to be close to 50, mm -hmm. right? Um, you look at these uh, Venture MLS fund from CRMLS and others, I think that's 10 million, right? So that's, you know, 250 million is a big yeah. jump there. But that that is on that's trend, That's a big right? number. All right, I went really high. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I was trying to think, do, do they even hey, have 250 million? <laughs> Dude, I think my MLS has two hundred. I want to go big dollars. with the predictions. Yeah, 
You think like your it. MLS like is two hundred fifty million? I'm, I'm exaggerating. Listen, I love the prediction because I think it's right. I think that all these MLSs, I, I, whether it's two hundred fifty million, I think it's going to be a vastly higher amount. You know, probably you were to say, I'll bet it's as much as they've invested in the last three years combined. Uh, they would invest this year because every MLS is looking at technology as being one of their what they have to build as a as a core strength. It's something that they do, not that they just become a conduit for other vendors, but that they actually develop something on their own. And I think they've got the money. You know, I joke about my MLS having two hundred fifty million dollars, but I just know that every time I go to an MLS, I'm like, man, their offices are so much nicer than my offices. Like every time <laughs> they have like waterfalls and stuff. Like where does this all come from? So you know. And I know most of you know most of them they they, they just because they don't have they don't do they're not most of them aren't for profit so they just keep the money they just keep cycling out I don't know what they do with it but um, but this is something they you know I think the money I think he's right but I see, think the money will be invested I think it's a see, great I, prediction I'm actually going to take the off I, I it's a great prediction and I like it I'm just saying Joe you just said why that's unlikely to happen <clears throat> right which is you're a broker. You go every time you go to the MLS's office. You're like, wow, these offices are way nicer than mine. I think next year, man, brokers are going to be fucking staring at like bankruptcy in the face. Right? I mean, the latest projections are volumes are going to be down thirty percent. I think a lot of brokers are going to be staring at we're we're going to go bankrupt. We're you know we're actually have to go out of business. And I think a lot of them are going to look at their MLS's with these deep pockets, with the real nice offices and the nice lunches and all these staffers that are going to be like, we need you guys to give us money. Mm. I, I actually think in that environment for an MLS to be like, hey, we just wrote a check for $40 million into this uh, tech company. That That's dangerous. Like that's how that's how you lose your job as an MLS CEO. When your broker participants go, you're doing what while we are starving? Like, I don't know. Maybe. Like, what do you think? I well, first of all, I don't know that I, the idea that a bro that we go to an MLS and say, "Hey, we need money from you," that the MLSs would give us money is to me, I that's such an unthinkable proposition that I mean, I'm looking at, at Craig Fisher and and yeah, I, I, that, that's like I don't even know how that would work. That's like me going to no, my the, kids, what they would like, no, they're, they're not going to write checks. No. Like they don't. Not, it, this has happened. What they'll do is they'll be like, "Okay, we're going to waive fees for this year." Sure. I mean that I could be that could be you know a challenge, I mean? but I, see It'll here's the like thing. That. I think with the, the way it happens that the MLSs frame it, and I'll, Fish should probably speak to it because it's his prediction. But my guess is that you know the MLSs would go to the broker and say, "Listen, we we are trying to stave off um, you know these these insurgents, and one of the ways we're going to do that is we're going to build this tool or buy this tool that's going to help you be competitive and help you save money and take something off your plate." You know, I think the whole the whole, you know, brokers don't want the MLS level the playing field is a is a battle that has been lost. That was lost 15 years ago. That brokers need the MLS to have a certain certain base level of technology that they use because there's just too much for brokers to be able to handle on their own. They that they they need that. Um, so I don't think that there's that as much reaction. I think that most brokers would be if it was being spent wisely and invested wisely. Um, and if they trust their MLS, I don't think there would be that much negative. I mean, there would be blowback, but I think it would be doable. I think it's certainly something that I could see happening. There's certainly MLSs that have been doing it, just not necessarily at the scale that uh, Fish is uh, uh, projecting. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think it's probably wise of them. You see the leading MLSs taking, you know, this sort of positioning this this past year and in, in little buckets, and so. 
I think they'll be doing them in, in larger waves and, and maybe the people who aren't involved this time around will want to get involved. Um, so I think all of that's possible and they have to invest. I mean, what else are, what else are you going to do? I mean, this is a pivotal moment at a market shift to, you know, elevate what these services offer, um, especially at times when they're being defended in giant lawsuits, uh, the business model to its very core essence. And so um, I also feel that, and you know, maybe they won't write all the checks, but I think that's also what, what would be pulling you forward is um, it, you certainly would think you need to take a slightly different direction moving into this decade. It doesn't have to be drastic, but um, I think some of the blueprints are there and, and some of um, the big MLSs have already, you know, started doing it. So 250 might be a lot, but uh, I want them to shoot high. <laughs> All right. Love it. Cool. All right, Joe, what's your prediction for 2023? Hold on. I, I, lost, yeah, I lost you for a second. I had a, <laughs> I'm dealing with stuff in my environment right now. That's not airport related, but is otherwise related. No, I'm, I'm back. Um, my prediction, actually, I think that I, I was going to, here was my prediction that I was going to have coming in, which is that I think the market's going to be very boring next year is that we've had three years of just exciting markets. 2020 was crazy. 2020 was pandemic shutdown, post-pandemic, just tidal wave, crazy, just a bizarre market. 2021 was one of the hottest markets in history. And then 2022 was uh, Robertson's, you know, his his big thing, the, the, the interest rates was, he's clearly right. That's the story of the, that precipitated everything else interest rates doubling in the course of like a five-month period put such a chill on the market and that caused, I mean, we really had just a crazy market in 2022 as well. I think that what we'll see in 23 is a relatively calm, flat market. I think that um, we won't have the excitement we've had over the last few years, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reframe it a little bit because just in the course of the half hour we've been on this call, you guys seem very bearish on the housing market, much more bearish than I am. And maybe that's because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having motivated reasoning that as a broker, I don't want the market to collapse uh, completely. <laughs> but, I mean, we haven't had, at least in my markets in the Northeast, I mean, my company's in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, um, and I follow what's going on in the other Northeast markets. We haven't had nearly, it, it's been down this year, but it's like at 2019, 2018 sales levels. And like, I think I, my guess is next year will be at like 17 cents. It'll be down from this year, but it won't be 2009. It won't be 2008. It's going to be more like 2015 or 2016, which was a very unremarkable market from the brokerage perspective. It was like up a little bit, down a little bit. But if we have sales next year, uh, close to 2015 levels, but prices that are right now 30 to 35% higher, and maybe they'll be down a little bit, but they'll still be at least 25 to 30% higher than they were back in 2017. That's not a terrible market for a brokerage industry. The brokerage industry would be fine. I, and I think- Okay, so give me, yeah. give me numbers. How I, many home sale transactions by the end of 2023? You've got to give me the baseline of what we have in 2022. Where are we right now? Right, oh God, 2022, uh, well, I don't know. 2021, say, I know it was 8%. over six and a half million. I'll say 8% what? down from for next year in sales transactions from this year. Down 8%. Down 8%. Okay. And I think and I and think prices? prices will be 
flat, maybe down a point or two on average. Okay. But not right. not too much. And I think interest rates are going to – I think they're going to flatten out. I think I don't think interest rates are going to go up back to where they've been. I think they're going to stay relatively – I don't think it's going to create any more interest rate shocks to the, to the market. Um, my hope is that inventory comes back. I mean, our challenge right now is still not enough inventory, at least in the Northeast, that people will say, oh, prices are up and, um, you know, there's an opportunity – uh, the, the bigger concern I have is are people going to have golden handcuffs to their home that they're locked into their home because their rate is so good that they never want to move? That's a concern that we're going to have for the next 10 years. Uh, but I think the market's going to be fine. I mean, I don't think it's going to be great, but I don't think it's going to be terrible next year. And that may, may make me an outlier in this four-person conversation, but I don't think it's going to be that bad. That's what do you think, Fish? What do you think, Fish? You, you're the other broker on the call. I mean, you, you're, with, would you, would, you're positive with Joe? Well, I mean, it just depends on, you know, where you sit at the table to, to develop that context. I think uh, the brokerages that, uh, you know, are working really hard continue, you know, to replace that volume as they grow. Um, you know, and if you can come, those organizations can come through flat or slightly better as far as volume goes through the year, they've done a tremendous job. And so when I think about, brokerage owners and operators, I think the best ones and, and some lucky ones, um, you know, will push through quite brilliantly through here. Yeah, um, that wasn't my but, question. I'm saying, do you agree that the market, 8% down in transactions, flat to 1% down in prices? Yeah, pretty close. I mean, monthlies, right? The last quarter compared to the last quarter, you're talking 25, 30%. Some of our markets in reduction in volume, right? That's just wow. month compared to the last month. Told, told it out over the year. Yeah. I mean, well, that's seasonality that too, right? It's December. Down, but yeah. Yeah. But compared to the previous, you know, September, October, November, December. So yeah. uh, the volumes are down in the last quarter in the markets for sure. The price is just, you know, they're not going to ease too much. Um, it just based on basic, there's not enough supply. Supply and demand, yeah. The, the what, what do you think, Greg? Aren't aren't pressed to sell. So, yeah. what do you think, Greg? You think we'll see that? that are, are we being too too bearish? No, I mean, you know. So, what is it? A normal market's like between five and five and a half million homes sold per year. I think yeah. I saw one prediction. It's going to be four point, you know, five or six um, for next year. Um, and that's also, I, I don't know what it, uh, 2022 brings. It's got to be close to five, right? Or something like that. Um, 2022, so that I, I should really look it up. I know 2021 was like over six and a half million yeah, or something. Yeah, it's, but you know, it's, we're coming back to earth here, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and as far as like Joe was saying, it's like, you know, there's this own, what do they call, call that cognizant dissidence? Or what, I mean, what, when you're trying to commit yourself to something, because it's, it benefits you. I forget the, the yeah, phrases. Benefits but, you. Motivated yeah. reasoning is what I say. Yeah, motivated yeah, reasoning. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, as I'm a vendor, positively I, 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 as a vendor, I'm trying to think positive too. I'm just hoping that, you know, that we can still sell some <laughs> software out there to this, this market, right? So, I'm with you on that a little bit. But, I mean, my predictions are a little bit, you know, I've, I've got several predictions, um, but um, I, I, I'm kind of feeling where, where Joe's coming out with, with the market stuff, the overall market stuff for sure. I, I will just say projecting an 8% decline in sale transactions is like a, that's a pretty, especially if it's coupled with even a point or two decline in average prices, 
is yeah, that's a pretty uh, that's pretty bearish on its own. I'm just not bearish to the point of like the sky is falling on the market because I look and I say, well, you know, 2020 was like the best year ever. 20 or I'm sorry, 20 uh, 2020, 2021 was even better. 2022 came down, and I think we're going to be down again next year. But I think that if you're trying to compare it to 2020 or 21, you're going to look terrible. But if you're trying to compare it to like 2017, yeah. 18. And it's not so bad. And I don't think we're going to see what happened in 2008 because 2008 and 2009, there were exigent circumstances with the afford- the adjustable rates that were out of the, uh, you know, crazy loan products and all the uh, CDOs and all that stuff was, that's not there right now. We, everybody who's gotten a loan in the last eight years has gotten a fixed rate mortgage. They're all sitting on a great mortgage. They're not going to, they've all got equity in the home. Uh, they're not walking away. We're not going to have a foreclosure boom uh, out of this, no matter what happens. Everyone's got a job. I mean, we're having a, everybody's got a job uh, and they have a home that they have equity in. So like, what, what, it's not going to be 2008. I think it's going to be 2015. Yeah. So you ask me how many homes are going to sell? All right. how, many, how many we sold in 2015? That's how many homes we sell. That's my guess. I think well, it's so far, home. according to NAR stats, as of October, because the, the November stats will come out uh, in about 10 days. No, five days. But f- the latest stats from NAR is 2022 will end with about 4.4 million annualized sales. Wow. That's right. that's yeah, down that's a lot. That's down a lot. That's really low. Those are actually like 2008, nine type numbers. You know what I mean? That's really low. And what most people, most economists are thinking is going to be down even further from this year. Mm. So I think we might breach 4 million homes sold, which is... A fucking disaster. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's gonna be horrible. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. I look. Let's put it this way: as people who are in the real estate industry, I hope you're right, Joe. <laughs> I hope, you hope yeah. I'm right about me, my eight percent decline in, in units. Yeah. That's- no, dude. Honest. So I'm not. This is not my prediction. Uh, but I I want the Fed to pivot. Right. Like this. I actually think they need to completely reverse course for a whole variety of reasons. I think they will, but it's not my prediction because mm. that's you know that's more the variety of sure to be wrong. So that'll be in my blog. Right? And, and just for reference, in 2015, it was 5.2 million homes sold, right? So this is you know, yikes. Yeah, look, if we if we end this year at four and a half million, I think 2023 we end that with below four million. Because we're going to be in a recession next year, right? It's going to be pretty ugly. And I, I know what Joe's saying about, you know, everyone has jobs. Yeah, but dude, like core inflation is still up like 7%. The labor force participation rate is the lowest level ever. It's going to be pretty ugly, I think. And no one's yeah. going to be buying. Yeah. Like interest rates will be, mortgage rates will be like north of 7, north of 8. I mean, it'll be effing crazy. I, I just don't see it. You know, But what I know, sure be wrong. Or your money back. Greg Robertson, what's your prediction? So I got, I mean, am I limited to one or can, can I just spread it out a bit? Let's do one. Well, spread it out, but what the hell? You know, we yeah. only have like eight, and, 10 and minutes left unless you want to most, do a super special four-hour. The one that, yeah, and you guys can choose which one you want to hammer me on or whatever. I think uh, number one prediction right. would be NAR membership goes down, down to like 1.4 million realtors. You know, so if we look at the November numbers next year, It'll be around that. It's about, I think, close to 1.6, maybe higher right now. Um, I think that CoStar's uh, 
folly into the New York market. Cine snap, I think that fails and folds next year. Um, I think that, um, you know, that's a bold one. I buyer city snap folds. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, one of the I buyers, one of these, one of these I buyers is either going to pivot dramatically or, or, or maybe the smaller ones just totally fail. Right. Um, just can't, can't get out of it. They're not as capitalized as much on that. Right. Uh, yeah. So those are, those are the kind of top ones here I have. Yeah. The city snap one, dude, like there's no way, right. CoStar is not going to let that happen. They have all the money in the fucking world. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't, I, what, what's the, what's the, I mean, I'm curious as to what the, what's the basis for that. Cause I don't know. I mean, I, as you all know, I was involved with CoStar a little bit uh, when I was working for the broker public portal um, and but I wasn't involved with City Snap. They launched it while I was there, so I was kind of peripherally aware of it. But I'm curious as to what, uh, what, why you would think it would fail within the first year of operation. Is there well, something I mean, it's that not you the think first year. This, this is the first year. This is this is the next year that I don't. I, I, I never hear anything about it. I've been on the site. Street Easy is still by far, you know, the preferred thing. I don't see how they turn the corner on that. Whether they make or whether they have all the money in the world. I mean, I just don't think he keeps something operated just because of pride. He's not, and he's not that stupid either. Right. Um, it's just, and you know, it's not, I don't think it's a bad exist? thing. I mean, New York's a tough market. It's a, it's a weird market in there. There's been so many people have tried to create portals in that place and it just has not worked. Right. So, um, yeah. I mean, I talked Focus. to both of you maybe seven years ago about this New York thing, you know, I mean, it's been in development since then we had a, you know, you remember that year where um, the acquisition happened and then Revney was having all the meetings and then Department of State, you know, all that stuff. So, I mean, it's been quite a long time. The brand of Street Easy is one of the, I mean, as far as real estate goes, it's Nike level brand affinity in New York City for Street Easy. Anybody who's been in New York City knows that. That's tough to break into. But the only thing I would say is maybe their back ends, but if they build apartments, the back end should, should be able to facilitate the building level. I, I don't know. I haven't played around on there enough. So maybe, you know, the technology isn't as, as good, but really what it comes down to is the advertising hubris of, you know, who answers the phone or answers the, the contact form probably doesn't help them uh, too much in that respect either. All right. I think, uh, yeah, I just look at it as, look, Bing still exists. <laughs> you know, like. I, well, I, I don't know if I buy, listen, I, I, I don't know. I just think that, I think that uh, CoStar has a pretty good track record of, you know, building these technologies and launching them and then putting enough money in them to be successful. Uh, I'm in Manhattan right now, and I do see some of their advertising. I have, I have friends within the industry. I have not talked to them about it, about whether it's changing behavior um, and I take Greg, if Greg says that he doesn't, he doesn't see it either. I, I buy into that. Um, but I just don't think that, listen, it's a bold prediction. I think it's an interesting prediction. Um, yeah, I like it. I'd be, I, I don't get me wrong. I like it. Just, I'm going to argue with him cause that's what Greg and I do. You know, <laughs> I, I just don't know, but I, I, I would be surprised if they did that just simply because not because of the pride issue, which, uh, but I think just because I think they're going to, they give it more time to succeed or fail. Um, they're not going to cut cut right. it unless unless it's the kind of thing where you know we've seen them make a lot of changes at home snap maybe they look at them as being part of the 
past and are looking into something in the future and they want to go a different direction. Um, but we'll see. I think they also have partners in that with the red, with the real estate boards and stuff like that. I don't know if they'd be able to walk away quite as easily. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So let me do my prediction. And then I got a question for the, this panel here. So since, like I said, I have seven predictions that are sure to be wrong that I'm working on. Okay. So I try to find one that I think has a reasonable chance of being correct. And I think it's this one. I think Compass will end the year no longer as a public company. One way or the other. Mm. In 2023. Either they're going to get acquired. Right. By the end of 2023, Compass will not be a publicly traded company. Because they will either be acquired or they will be bankrupt. I like how Robertson thought you might have been talking about the end of this year, which has like Yeah, no, I did. I was like, you know, five days left. There's two weeks left. There's two weeks left, baby. (laughs) End of next year. Right. Because, you know, you've been, I've been hearing for the last few months a lot of folks speculating like home services might buy them, right? Because, you know, Warren Buffett's got all the money in the world. You know, you combine Compass, which is number one in volume with home service, that does make some sense. You know, the, the valuation of Compass has been driven so low and their investors are probably ready to bail. Warren Buffett came calling us like, hey, I'll give you 30 cents on the dollar. There's a chance that, you know, they could pick that up Boom. pretty easily. Um as well as just there, you know, a lot of folks are reporting they're in trouble, cash flows, you know, a lot of their agents unhappy, blah, blah, blah. Again, I don't know if that's true or wrong. I think it's a mistake to write them off. I think Compass still, like, no matter how they got there, like, Joe, you mentioned their business model, like, fine, but they, they got there. The point is they are now the number yep. one brokerage by volume. They have some great agents. They do. And I think as long as they maintain their local management who has a loyalty of those agents, they have a chance. I, but I think they're going to need something. I would go further and say I think they have great agents. I think they've got a, a really good brand. I think they've got good installed installed base where they are. They're in the right places. There's a lot going for them. I'm, I'm not. My point. They got there by having a lot of money, which you know it's nice to have a lot of money. Uh, but there, it's a. I, I agree with you. Uh, I think it's an interesting prediction. I I would say that there's a really good possibility of their acquisition. Not necessarily in a negative way, just in a way that, you know, their value, you mentioned about their valuation going down. You know, if you look at their valuation now and you look at it from the perspective of how are real estate companies valued at 100 to 125% of company dollar versus, you know, three to six times earnings, like it'd be tough to value them on earnings. But in terms of their a multiple of their company dollar, my guess is that multiple of their company dollar would give a valuation of somewhere around a billion dollars, which is about where they're getting to. Yeah. Which means yeah, that they're like, 1.15 now. Which means those guys can go to Warren and say to Warren, I, I call him Warren, just FYI. They go to Warren and say, <laughs> Your hey, first Warren, name uh, basis yeah, with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you're Joe Rand. Of course Warren, you are. Uh, they go to Warren and they say, um, you know, this company, this under our valuation model that we use to buy. All these other companies, Compass now fits in that alignment, which they didn't a year ago. Um, so I think there's mm-hmm. an opportunity mm-hmm. there. And, you know, I, I actually think that whether it would be home services or whether it would be possibly anywhere or some venture mm-hmm. capital, whatever, I, I do think that Compass would do very well as one of the brands um, aligned with either the home services brands or some of the – I think home services might be the better fit just because they have a lot of independent companies formerly independents that are under their stable. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of really good companies there. Julian Lawrence, who we compete with, is there, uh, you know? So the, there's a secondary prediction based on what you just said okay. that I am i can make. This is not 
going to come true. But this is this would be the kind of thing that appears on my blog as sure to be wrong. But it does make sense if Howard Hanna were to buy Compass and then put Joe Rand in as CEO of Compass. Yeah, okay. That because that, that would actually about. save that company. That, I'm just no. saying, you know, the best-selling author, you know, Joe Rand, <laughs> incredible motivator. If he were the CEO of Compass, I'm just saying. You know, you Robert's are, made his money. He could retire and go into politics. Uh, that, that would be my prediction. That in the words and of then Greg you, you Robinson, somehow, you, the moral words of Greg Robinson, you somehow, you I, somehow rope in the BPP on this a gold mine. Uh, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Gold no, mine. that's what I was, My point was that in the mortal words of Greg Robinson, you must be smoking something to think that's going to happen. At least in my involvement, as whether Howard Hanna would be involved, I have no idea. And if I did, I wouldn't be able to. Con- comments on it but we haven't let fish get in fish you got to get in to talk about that's this. right fish uh i, I mean an interesting prediction because it, it, it would really signify the last uh new enterprise level brokerage to sort of do the thing that they all do yeah and uh it's not good or bad it, it means that you know they're probably getting a lot better at at, at this business but it's certainly an unremarkable finish compared to, you know, um, thoughts you might have had five to eight years ago. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's Greg, <laughs> Fish, is there any chance Western Maine could be a bidder for Compass? I mean, uh, uh, how much how much cash you guys have? I'm just wondering. I know you're very successful. Oh, Compass is only a billion dollars, yo. I'm just saying. Like, break some news. Western Maine is going to bid for Compass. You know what? I will give us. We did open a coffee shop yesterday, so if that gives <laughs> you any perspective, um, you got to scale it up. That's right. Which, hey, Better margins of coffee. That's is, what It's amazing. Hey, some smart, smart entrepreneurs there that did that. Hey, listen. So, I, yeah, so if you look at if you look at Fish's pitch deck for buying the for this enterprise that he has with the coffee shop. On the 37th slide, there's something there about acquiring Compass. So don't be surprised. Oh, like, no, totally. It's in yeah. there. It's part of yeah. the long-term pivoting transition yeah. plan. <laughs> it could come up. It could happen. It's, All right. it's not even me. It's not even my thing. <laughs> it's not even slide. Okay. All right. So I know we're uh, we're running out. Of, I, I, dude, seriously, next year we got to do four-hour Joe Rogan style because we could just go on and on. But since we are running out of time, I did have a question. For the panel, it's based on something Greg and I talked about a couple of episodes ago. So, CoStar came out in its earnings call. It said we raised two hundred fifty million dollars, like just those war chest, just to have it. And Andy Florence said we are looking for a significant, like game changing acquisition in residential real estate. He made that very clear. Right. So, Greg and I talked about who could they acquire. What is this game changing acquisition that CoStar could do? So, I think, you know, Greg, I can't remember which ones we, I think it was like Black Knight or No, no, I, 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 I predicted. Realtor.com. No, I had predicted that they, yeah. because they were talking about doing all this content, you know, for, for agents, that they were going to buy mm-hmm. Matterport, yeah. Matterport, which had just bought VH, yeah. VHT Studios, which had a whole photography network, right? And their, their yeah. valuation was pretty low because of, you know, how compressed everything is. And you know what? Yeah. What was interesting that happened was Zillow went and bought a photographer's network. Of, I forget was it VRX yeah. or VXR, something like that. VRX, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So it's it's like I thought somebody was listening to this podcast, but I guess Andy didn't get the message, but uh, Rich Barton did, and and went and bought that. So <laughs> yes. I thought that, I thought it was yes. Matterport. Yeah. Okay, 
I got so one. let's turn that over to all right, Fish. Who's what is a game changing acquisition Andy Florence does next year? So uh, I'll I'll go somewhere I don't think any of you will go, and I'll say they get into the mortgage space with uh, the power buyer, maybe Homeward, something like this, and and they see that the opportunity in front of everybody is is to perhaps actually make this mortgage process easier, more seamless, and they are able to roll that out at a full national scale without complexity, with great marketing and, and awareness of those products, and they enter uh, in a slightly different path than maybe they were going to, and they could probably do it w- without overpaying and they could probably scale that up into something interesting so i'm going to go with they get they get into the power buyer cash offer mortgage business okay not in a million years but okay (laughs) (laughs) the only the only issue i would have with that prediction is that i mean my my interaction uh over the last two years um that i had with costar um you know, they were willing to forswear ever getting involved in mortgage banking as a as a condition of their deal with their proposed deal with BPP. Uh, that was public; everybody knew that. That's nothing private about that. Um, they um, so I, you know that that would strike me as being unless they were really pivoting to a completely new model. Um, well, they're out of that agreement, the right? Thing about, well, they're out of that agreement, but my point is they were willing to do it, which means that it was not on the drawing board. Like they were they were saying, "Hey, listen, we'll never become a mortgage company because we don't want to do that." Um, and yeah. I actually think that, I mean, you know, everything they've done has been about trying to make money by getting agents to pay for services to market properties to yeah. end users. Like that's their model in yeah. uh, uh, multifamily. That's their model. I, in, and that's what they're trying to do in residential. So I, I think yeah, that makes those, more those, sense. Hold on, Joe. Yeah. Let, let me just agree with you. I think CoStar, if you look at their history, they've been remarkably disciplined. Yeah about the business that they do and don't get into. They they get into data businesses. They get into portal businesses. They don't really stray out of that too much. You know, like even HomeSnap is really kind of a portal data business as opposed to being like an agent productivity tool business or, you know, like, so I, that's why I don't think they get into something so completely far outside of their their field. But, but go ahead, Joe. But I, I, and so I'm, I'm, I think, for example, I think Greg Robertson's, suggestion that they would buy a company that would help them create content that would help them market homes.com right. to agents i think makes a lot of sense right. i don't know if it's the game right. changer because i think it just levers what's already a strength of theirs as opposed to getting them something new i think that you'll see you want to say what would be a game-changing acquisition from their perspective right. would be something that actually does what everyone suspected they would try to do and they made every effort it seemed to me not to do which would be to buy somebody that puts them in a position to really take on the mls's I don't think they'll do it, but if there were to be a game like who, changer, who would that be? Well, go buy Open Door. Open Door is now that mm. they're a much bigger company than Open Door. They could acquire Open Door and take that marketplace idea, and they already have experience managing marketplaces like that in multifamily and uh, commercial. Like that would make that's a synergy that to some extent makes some sense. I don't know if that would actually happen, but I think it's a it's a um, it, it, that would be a game changer if they were to go buy open it's door. A game that's changer. a game changer sure. because they don't want to buy open door because they don't want to. They don't want to do eye buying. They don't. They don't want it for that purpose. But they might want it for the purpose of you know connecting buyers and sellers and then being able to 
uh, uh, put agents at the center of that to make money from the agents to market themselves to those buyers and sellers. You know, that's something I see them okay. doing. I, I like Greg's. I mean, I think I said Black Knight, you know, when we were talking about it last. But if we were talking game-changing, like really like, holy shit, game-changing, to me, there's only one. Okay. Right? Which is that they buy Zillow. Buy Zillow, yeah. That, that's the only thing I can think of you were going to say, yeah. Right. Because I was thinking about it, it's like, oh, that seems ridiculous. Like they hate each other. You know, Zillow's doing everything to fend off, you know, to competing as co-star. They're the dominant big dog, blah, blah. I'm like, wasn't that long ago that Zillow and Trulia were at each other's throats? You know, I mean, talk about competition, talk about rivalry. And then you wake up one day, it's like, Zillow's acquiring Trulia, right? And I'm like, at the end of the day, it's just business. I could easily see with Zillow's valuation being driven so low, Andy just being like, look, I mean, we're, we're all business people. There's a price. We'll give you $15 billion for Zillow. Like double. I think a lot of Zillow shareholders would be like, we out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we out. <laughs> so that would be the big game-changing, like, holy crap thing. Uh, and it's right in their, you know, sort of wheelhouse. Yep. And, yeah, but it goes everything right? against so, their whole notion of not being, being a broker, of their your listing, your lead philosophy. I mean, this is... This just means they just do but if they acquire face, it, they, they no, no, shut no. off what all I'm revenue saying, They acquire it. Zillow. Correct. They they just dump Premier Agent and go right to Jeez. real estate. You well, know, he has. Uh, I mean, the, he did the, that with Homes.com. You know, he just he just abandoned right. the whole revenue model there, right? I mean, just right. crazy. But right. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's that's uh, that makes you know, sense. That's one I way mean, of listen, changing the a, model. How many pay? How many pay customers do you think are are out there? Right. Um, how many paying customers do you think are out there? Because you look at, you know, Zillow, for instance, and you have to wonder, do they have the same tens of thousands of paying customers anymore? I mean, who's really cutting these checks? Is there enough of them to pay oh, for, for sure? Oh, for sure. These ads? You think so? Yeah, I okay. absolutely think so. Yeah. Curious. Because it's the same thing as a commercial real estate, right? A lot of times, what I think people miss is like you look at commercial. It's not like commercial agents are paying CoStar and buying these ads because they really think it's going to help sell their fucking warehouse building. They're paying for it and buying these ads so that when they go and talk to the landlord or talk to the owner, say, "Hey, if you give me this listing, if you give me this assignment, I'm going to promote your." You know, it's one of those things. Well, that goes right? back. That's so, literally what real estate sales has always been about on the listing side. Yeah, has been. I'm going to yeah. put your home in the newspaper which I will tell you right now is not going to have anything to do with selling your, but it's going back 20 years. You know, we're going to put a big yeah. glossy ad on Sunday, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, home it's, it's Homes.com. which is not going to sell your home, but it's going to make you feel good. But it's homes.com. Yeah. Everybody wants their stuff on Zillow. It's not, I mean, it's not going to be, uh, I, I agree. So that's what I'm saying. So if, and were, if Costa were to acquire Zillow, right. And then be like, we're going to convert Zillow over to this model. I'm just answering Fish's question, right? Which yeah. is, I think a lot of agents be like, yeah, sure, I'll write you a check for $5,000 a month because I want, I need the ability to go to my sellers and be like, hey, I'm going to promote the hell out of your home and blah, blah, blah. I, I think that's how it'll work. Yeah. Uh, sure, you lose money for a little mm -hmm. bit, but Andy's used to that. But, and, uh, and the other interesting thing about I was thinking about this was, I don't see an FTC problem with that deal, Right. Like there's FTC review when Zillow acquires showing time or something like that. I'm like, CoStar is not a presence in residential real estate. Yeah, I mean, right? so for CoStar to acquire Zillow, apartments.com, they could say now they're in the corner of the market. I mean, but, it's not nothing, Rob, right? 
I guess it's not nothing, but I it just feels like it would survive FTC review only because even Zillow, when they come out and say, look, with all of our reach and all of our stuff, I think, what did they say? Uh, Rich Bart was like, we only have like 6% of the transactions or sales or something. Like this part of his whole housing super app business plan, right? It's like, we're going to double our, our, our share of the market. It's like, even Zillow is still a very, very small part of the market. I think I think there's a decent chance that survives review. Hmm. I, I will, so I, that's my game changer. I will say the, the way you see yourself getting there is the fact that CoStar came into residential with an acquisition of HomeSnap for a couple hundred million dollars. Then it acquired Homes.com six months later for, I think, actually less money. So it's only in for, yeah. from a, I mean, it's, not, it's a lot of money, half a billion dollars. Okay, it's $500,000, $500 million. That's a lot of money to me and you, but not necessarily to CoStar. So they're in, yeah. and they're kind of feeling their way around. They try to do the deal with BPP that doesn't work out. And they say, well, yeah. we can spend the next five years trying to beat Zillow and spend this amount of money to do it. Or we could just go say, you know, Zillow now, it's valued at half it was, maybe. Yeah. That Less was than half. When they it's bought, like $7 billion. When, when CoStar bought HomeSnap, Zillow was probably yeah. two or three times its share price. So yeah. it may yeah. now be a viable possibility where it wasn't a viable possibility a couple of years yeah. ago. And they might say, you know what? We could buy it. We could put it under our model, like, like Greg said. Put it under our model and and make it run and um yeah. and and not have to compete with number one just go right into being number one it, it kind yeah, of goes against what they did in apartments because apartments they didn't go buy the number one company they built the number one company but i could see them saying let's take a shortcut this time i could see it sure you know? yeah uh and who knows maybe <laughs> Maybe they joint venture that fucking thing because we know that andy florence has this great regard for rea group right out of australia uh-huh Dude, if if Rupert Murdoch and Andy Florence said, "Let's pull money together, go buy Zillow," I mean, shit, they would. Zillow's now like eight point four billion. They were at one point like thirty five billion. Do you know what I'm saying? Eight point four is very doable mm. for combined Fox and you know CoStar, right? Jeez, yeah. And then and then if I'm Rupert, I just spin off Realtor.com. It's like, hey, NAR, here you go. You can have it back. Right? Like, <laughs> we don't give a shit <laughs> we'll dump realtor.com redirect it. well no they, they, if they have control yeah, of that they cares? just switch that they just now switch that model right i mean boom the problem with switching that model is that realtor.com there's all these licenses because you don't control the brand right nar controls that brand there are all these terms all these license things so you just dump it just like get rid of it spin it off whatever sell it off to Redfin, who, who who cares? Just sell it off, right? Spin it off in its own thing, and then go in and buy Zillow with CoStar. That that is a game changing. Heard it here first, people. Wow, if that, that happens, man. You got good tape. If that happens six months from now, you got good tape. Yeah, yeah. It's a lay oh, yeah, we'll have to go back to this. I'm going. Yeah. I'm going big no on it. I think those Zillow folks uh, have bigger plans than to just cash that check. But hey. You know, I don't run a public company, so <laughs> I'm sure if that check shows up, it's probably pretty hard to come up with reasons for a no. But uh, I don't, I don't know that it's their destiny per se. Who knows? That that's in the class of prediction, sure to be wrong, or your money back. But uh, it, that won't be on my blog. So, <laughs> all right, listen, this has been fun, but. Uh, Greg, you got to get home. Uh, Seriously, guys, uh, if this, you know, I I enjoyed this. Maybe next year, let's actually think about doing this long, like real long. Oh, boy. We'll see see who was right and wrong. And then we could explore every prediction.
Yeah. Absolutely. We, we got to see. Back. So, we got to see some... what happened. Yeah, absolutely, next year. Yeah, because I'm the only guy, as far as I know, who does uh, grading, you know, the predictions. Uh, you know, my lifetime batting average is 374. It's not bad. Man. That's really not it's bad. It's not bad. Not, well, you no, consider but, the, you, you make predictions that are not obvious. So, yeah. The fact that you hit well, then, one in, out of Intentionally three meant to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, pretty good. But last couple of years, I've been like 170. So, you know, we'll see. Well, if I'm wrong on my on my prediction, I'm not going to be able to afford internet service next year. So, you have to, I'll be in a library. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be in a public library. Hey, keep quiet down over there. Um, I, since I think this is the last one before Christmas, I do want to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas. I would love to wish all of our listeners uh, a very Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Because without you all, we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't bother doing this. So I do want to say thank you. And, uh, and I guess thanks to sponsors who have been supporting us on this crazy little uh, thing of ours. Um, Greg, any thoughts, any Christmas holiday words from you, sir? Ab- absolutely. Happy holidays. I mean, if I think about Rent Spree, I think about um, all the other sponsors we've had this year, um, you know, Ernest and, um, you know, all, all the guys that have helped us. That's great. And uh, yeah, just for everybody listening, I really appreciate it. It's really great when I go to these conferences of people telling me they were listening to it on the way, you know, on the flight over or in their cars or something. So uh, we appreciate the support. And thank you guys, Joe and Greg. Thank yep. you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Greg. It was a, it was a pleasure, and uh, we will. I, I'm sure I'll see you Happy all holidays. of you guys next year sometime. You know? yep. See you next year. Bye bye, everybody. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>